You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, so today I want to cover some TCU football. And I'm going to talk about, I don't know if you listened to the Big 12 Roundtable yesterday, um, but I had a strong opinion on Gary Patterson leaving for Texas. And I want to get into that more. I heard some negative feedback from those comments, which is fine. Uh, you can always reach me at Steven on Twitter or the show at Locked on TCU. And it's totally fine to be like, hey, I don't agree with you, or I think this is dumb, whatever you need to say. You can vent to me. That's that's perfect. I like the two-way communication. Um, but I wanted to discuss that a little more in depth on the show and not just in the context of the Locked On Big 12 show. I've had some more time to think about it. I haven't really changed my stance too much, but I just want to talk about it um, more in segment two. But to start tonight, we're going to get into TCU basketball, TCU men's and women's basketball. The women got a win tonight, and it was an impressive win. Asia Holmes hit a three. They beat Tech 51-50. to I can't figure this team out. I mean, it's some nights they go out there, and they just really, really struggle, um, and they've been boat raced a few times. But then there's nights like tonight where, you know, they just hung around, they did their thing, and, and made some plays down the stretch, end up getting a victory. But we'll start with the TCU men falling on the road to Oklahoma State 57-56. to And, I mean, on the surface, like losing on the road in Stillwater, not a terrible loss, understandable. Um, but it was the way they lost that was really unfortunate. They were up by six with about a minute and a half left in that game. And, I mean, this team, it is pulling teeth to score. Like, they just really, really struggle to score points. What they do well is they crash the boards, and once again they had a really successful night you know, on the offensive glass, and they swarm you defensively. They shot 34% from the field, 35% from three. All that being said, they still had a six-point lead with about a minute and a half left in the game, and every time Oklahoma State, you know, up until the end, it felt like every time Oklahoma State made a push to take the lead, and at times they would take a one- or two-point lead, TC was able to answer back in a big way. Uh, and Xavier Cork had an opportunity for a three-point play late in that game. He missed a shot. He missed the free throw, but he made, you know, a strong bucket through contact. And it felt like, okay, they're going to do this again. Like, they're going to find a way to win. It's going to be ugly. They turn the ball over a lot still. Mike Miles struggled, but they're going to find a way to pull it out. But then down the stretch, just mistake after mistake, giving up some buckets, not being able to score, giving up a three to Rondell Walker to cut it to a one-point game with about 30 seconds left. But it's still you still have a one-point lead with about 30 seconds left. And I would say for the majority of the second half, Oklahoma State was pressing, um, or at least trying to trap their guard, the TCU guards in the backcourt. And it was, it was fairly effective. I mean, I, I think Fran Farabello is not super comfortable putting the ball on the deck in those situations. Chuck O'Bannon's not either. You're really sort of down to Miles and Ball. And Farabella got the ball, you know, in the corner, and he got trapped, and he was kind of able to work his way out of it, but he lost the handle, and he pushed it ahead to check O'Bannon, and then O'Bannon passes it to Jacoby Coles, and it looks like Coles has a layup with about 20 seconds left, but he goes up, and the shot gets swatted back. And Oklahoma State retains possession. 
And many people have pointed out, you know, if he just passes it back to O'Bannon, it's probably an easy bucket. Or if he brings the ball down, if he puts the ball on the floor, passes it to somebody else, tries to bring it out to the perimeter, then Oklahoma State has to foul, you know, and, and then you get a chance to shoot a couple free throws and it's still a one possession game, but at least it's a three point game in that stand in, in that situation. They didn't do that. Rondell Walker makes a couple free throws after getting fouled on the other end of the floor. And then TCU had a chance with four seconds left. And actually, they got a pretty good look. Mike Miles caught the ball around half court, dribbled through a couple defenders, and then passed it to Damian Ball, who had a look at a three um, at the buzzer, but it was a little long. And, you know, he missed that shot, and TCU ends up losing the game. So an unfortunate way to lose. It's not so much that they lost the game. It's just that you blew a six-point lead late. Um, he, here's the deal with TCU. And the schedule gets tougher now. It's, it's also unfortunate because your next three games, you play Iowa State on the road, who's really good. Uh, Texas, which is struggling, but Chris Beard's a good coach. Texas has kind of had TCU's number as of late. And then LSU. So some good teams in the near future. And now you're 2-2 two and two in conference play. But moving forward for this group, one, Mike Miles has to find a way to score. And I know he's probably still a little banged up from that wrist injury in the Baylor game. But eight points, two of 15 from the field. Now, he did hit a couple threes down the stretch. And it looked like that gave him some energy. And hopefully that carries over. But when Mike can't score, this offense is just atrocious. I mean, they like the offense is not going to be great. I, I, don't, I don't really believe the offense is going to be great all year long. But at least with Miles scoring and creating his own shot, there's options there and some there's some things you can do off of him offensively that can work. This is not going to work. Like, the, the way they're currently constructed, it's just not really working. And then turning the ball over. You have to cut down on it. And I don't know what the solution is there because it's been a problem all season long. But again, it was over 20 turnovers. And that was the big issue late in the game. I mean, you're just not getting good possessions. So... I mean, listen, you play close games, this is going to happen. They were able to find a way against Kansas State and Oklahoma, even though they didn't execute really well in those games late all the time. You know, they made enough plays to win. They really stole one in Manhattan. And, well, Oklahoma State stole one tonight at home, um, which is unfortunate. But it's it's kind of part of it. Now they have to bounce back and, and find a way to win. It's not the end of the world. You know, there's still a lot of time, still a lot of games left to be played. But for a group that needs to start stacking up victories, man, it's not super encouraging. So we'll see what happens moving forward with uh, TCU basketball. They play Iowa State on Saturday. I also quickly want to say shout out to the ladies. Uh, TCU women's basketball, they get a victory tonight, 51-50 over Texas Tech. Crazy finish. Um, Tech had a couple free throws up 50-48. to with 14 seconds left, they clanged both of them. Um, and then in, an insane play, Lauren Hurd's going to the hoop. You know, she tries to kick one in, down in the post. The ball gets kicked out. Asia Holmes just happens to pick it up in the corner and drains a three to make it 51-50. And then Texas Tech, with so in women's basketball, you know, they play four quarters. You take a timeout in the fourth late, and you can advance the ball to your end of the court. It's kind of like the NBA in that way. And they ran a little play where they had a back screen and they lobbed it up uh, to one of their players. And like, she had a wide open layup to win the game. 
and thankfully she missed. But, um, yeah, a nice bounce-back win for TC women. And they're kind of, I mean, you know, they, they beat Texas A&M. They found a way to beat Oklahoma State. Now, um, Texas Tech, there's been some clunkers in between, but they are still finding ways to be effective at times this season. Coming up next, we will talk about Gary Patterson and the University of Texas. That's coming up on Locked on Horn Frogs. All right, so Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Uh, let's talk Gary Patterson and the University of Texas. And I did want to say I got some reaction from uh, the folks on Twitter with some of my comments about the basketball team this evening. Um, at Dude in Dallas, his name is some dude in Dallas on Twitter. He said, is it baseball season yet? And that's something else I need to mention. Uh, TCU baseball, they're playing about a month. They're ranked number 17 in the D1 baseball poll. Maybe we'll try to cover that a little more in depth on Friday. Um, you know, this seems fascinating. I think they have some good pieces coming back. Austin Crow coming back on that pitching staff, and he's number one, and then you don't really know what it's going to look like past him on Friday night. Um, obviously, Braden Taylor in the middle of that lineup. You know, guys like Luke Boyers and Elijah Nunez coming up at the top. Dudes that have been there forever, like Tommy Sacco and uh, Gray Rogers, who have been kind of forces for them in the bottom of the lineup. Hopefully Tommy can bounce back this year and do a little more at the plate than he did last season. But um, we'll have plenty of coverage of TCU baseball all season long. And, yeah, there's uh, you know they're prepped to have a good season again. They're prepped um, to be a team involved in the postseason. They're ranked highly going into the year, and uh, Kirk Sarloose will get to see what he's like in that manager role, which will be fun to watch. Okay, so I talked about this uh, on Wednesday's episode of the podcast, which was our crossover edition with the Locked On Big 12 crew, if you want to go back and listen to it. But Gary Patterson, on, um, I guess it was Tuesday night, he was spotted with Chris Del Conte in a suite at the Texas basketball game against Kansas State, and he was wearing a Longhorn pullover. And it's been rumored now for a while that GP would take a job at Texas. The official title is special assistant to the head coach. So essentially he's going to be an analyst. It seems like he'll be in a similar role. You know, Jerry Kill was kind of the head coach of the offense for TCU TCU the last few years. And Gary, the same for the Texas defense. And I said this yesterday. Gary was let go. And if he still thinks he can coach, then it's certainly well within his right to go get another job, right? And I think he's going to get paid really well to be, you know, an analyst for UT for the next couple of years, and that's a pretty sweet gig, I would imagine. Um, you know, for a coach, you're not working all the time. You're not having to hit the road in recruiting. It really is just kind of focused on breaking down film, helping the defense out, being an advisor almost in that role. Alabama's made a a living out of it, a killing out of it. Like they go get coaches that have been fired, head coaches that have been fired, and you just go to Alabama and you stick around for a couple years, and and then you get a chance to maybe go somewhere else. Uh, So Gary can do what he wants. Now, I'm disappointed that it's Texas. I really am. And I understand he has that relationship with Chris Del Conte. I don't know what his relationship was with Steve Sarkeesian leading up to this. But I just think it's weird and it's strange. And it's not necessarily even his fault. But he is synonymous with TCU football. He was so good for so long that he became, you know, part of the brand. Like when you think TCU football, you think Gary Patterson. 
and now he's going to be at UT. It's like Emmett Smith with the Cardinals. It's like Joe Montana with the Chiefs. It's just bizarre, right? And I know he's not going to be on the field, but I, I said this yesterday. Like, you're still going to see him when when they're playing on national TV, which is every week. There's going to be a lot of shot. I think there's going to be a lot of shots of him in the press box. I think the media is going to latch onto the story. It's just going to be a, a interesting sort of recurring storyline they can come back to, especially if the Texas defense improves. Like if they get better, I'm sure that you know the wheels will get turning on the narrative of, oh, well, Gary brought a new mentality to this defense. He brought a new, fresh perspective. Now, some people have said he's aiming for that defensive coordinator job, which I don't really think that's the case. I don't know that for a fact. I don't have inside sources here. I just feel like, in my mind, this is more, one of two things is going to happen. Either he is fine in this new role, where he's just kind of a behind-the-scenes guy, doesn't have to be super hands-on, doesn't have, it's not, it's not as, it's not nearly as demanding of a job, or he's just doing this for a couple years, kind of rehabbing, rehabbing his image is the wrong thing to say. I, I don't know what his standing is with a lot of universities across the country, as far as, you know, it was a rough few years at the end at CCU, but you take some of the pressure off, you get away from it a little bit and people, I mean, people forget, people forget about the the bad ending. People think more and more about, Oh, well he did such a great job there. Then he can use that to maybe take a head coaching job somewhere else. Uh, and I also, I understand the background behind the statue. Like I get, it was a donor that wanted it done. That donor was ill. He wanted to see it before he passed. It was, you know, a wish of his, and Gary and the university relented, and they said, okay, let's do this. I, I get that. I get that that's the story. I think that is admirable in some ways. I understand the history there. But it is strange now that it's there, and then he's coaching somewhere else. And I'm not even saying it's wrong, because you couldn't have foreseen this. But it's just, it's just odd. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, part of me thinks that he would be an amazing defensive coordinator if that's all he had to focus on. Like, if that was just his tunnel vision, like, this is what I do, this is my side of the ball, I don't have to worry about being a CEO. And I, I know this is a different level, and it's different people, but I sort of liken it to Dan Quinn, coach of the Falcons. His defenses weren't, they weren't known for their defense in Atlanta. He, you know, he came from Seattle, Legion of Boom, did a great job there, comes to Atlanta, and it was honestly like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman. That offense was high-flying. The defense forced some turnovers. They did enough. And then it ended poorly for him there as a head coach. He goes to Dallas as the defense coordinator, has a great season, right? And now he's back in the mix for all these head coaching jobs. And part of me thinks, yeah, Gary would excel so much at that because he wouldn't have to, you know, drive himself crazy with so many of the other details that come with being a head coach. And he could just focus in solely on the defense side of the ball. But another part of me says, you know, TCU's defense was struggling so mightily that is that even the right spot for him? I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I'm, I'm interested to watch it uh, sort of develop over the next few weeks and months. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs today. Thank you for joining me. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Again, this is uh, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.